You are now, now, now tuned into Progressive Action Radio, the most objective show in America. Hosted by Tramel Thompson, co-hosted by Jamel Wilson, and DJ Damage is on the wheels of steel. You will never know what to expect when thoughts and wisdom unite. People! Get ready. 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 Progressive action is now live. Welcome back to another show of Progressive Action Radio. What's good, cuz? I'm chilling. What's going on, cuzzo? You know, it's the same thing, same thing. Same of nothing, but the same of everything at the same time. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. Good evening out there. Yeah, you know, um, progressive action is making a lot of noise now. And, you know, people will try to do what they got to do to try to shut us up. Yeah, they're doing a lot. They're getting down dirty. They're starting, they're starting to go down to the ground now. I mean, they was already there, but they're starting to get down in the sewer now. Yeah, I mean, it's cool, though. We, we expected that, right? Oh, well, of course we did. And they're not doing anything, really, you know, to disturb anything. No. <laughs> it's just funny that they they – Decide and want to fight back. You know, um, Ed Watt was on our show last week. Yeah, that was a good show. And you know, I got like, uh, pros- like four phone calls between four phone calls and texts about Samuelson is wants to bring charges against Ed Watt for appearing on the show. Wow, charges! <laughs> Shout out to Samuelson for wasting our fucking time and, and wasting our money and, and to to do stupid shit exactly when, when contract time is right around the corner right big shout out to samson yeah because basically you're just gonna go fight another our basically our brother union because ed waters is he works for atu and atu represents queens and staten island bus drivers yeah and the only thing he's going to do is is cause friction right because he, he don't act like ed watt not liked that's right you know, you act like Ed Watt not liked, and you go cause this friction right before November 10th. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. Right before, <laughs> right before November, November 10th. November 10th, yeah. But this guy was on um, New York One program, right? And he had 10 minutes to shine, and he did not mention transit workers. Shout out to Samuelson again. Yeah. I mean, basically, he was on New York One talk, you know, it being interviewed by Errol Lewis, and he was talking about... Uh, you know, the construction workers and um, building supermarkets and the Navy Yard, and which is right across the street, basically, you know. And, uh, you know, basically he talked about everything else but transit workers and their trials of daily trials and tribulations dealing with the public and uh, transit workers daily, um, well, not daily, but their um, uh, hurdles that they have as far as, you know, wanting a great contract you know, and wanting a livable wage so that we could survive here in these five boroughs. Basically, that's not what was talked about. Yeah, he spent the time to, you know, blast de Blasio and to talk about construction unions. Right. Talking about de Blasio isn't a trade unionist because of the construction, what goes on in construction unions. I don't see the construction unions talking about transit issues. Hell no. You know what I mean? I don't see the construction union even talking about themselves with de Blasio. Exactly. Maybe you about to, you know, mess up their business. Because, you know, construction unions is like mafia. It's controlled by, you know, corruption. Not sometimes. like it is. Yeah, <laughs> controlled you know, by mafia, yeah. You probably stepping on their toes. Yeah. And, you know, the, basically, that's all he basically does is uh, the, it was this interview 
in the last interview, he basically likes to get on the, the television and blast de Blasio. I'm like, yo, what did de Blasio do to him? That's what he was spending his time on. Right. But he hasn't yet addressed transit workers' issues. You know, you just had a, a, a track worker got her arm amputated because of, of an accident. A few months ago, you had a token booth clerk. Um, booth attempted to get um, put on fire. You just had a bus operator who who just got slashed by a passenger. What else you just had? Uh, you you had you had you could even said anything about the guy that saved the track work. Isn't he from that department? Yeah, and he hasn't done anything. Well, that, I think that was a signal. You talking about a Braithwaite, yeah, the female? Yeah. Yes, she's yeah, she's from the signal department. But it's right, it's still maintenance away. That's his department, yeah. Yeah, you know, he hasn't said yeah, anything. Tony Utano, yeah. He hasn't said anything about wages, nothing. And, you know, at the end of the day, he can't say, oh, you know, it's not time to put that out there yet. But in March, you was just there talking about you not going to rule out a strike. Or whenever it was, a few months ago, he's talking about he's not going to rule out a strike. Right, and, on the other podcast. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, which we get more views by more than anyway, but he don't want to. <laughs> he don't want to come on this show. No, I mean he's probably looking at us right now. Yeah, and you know, he claims that he gets sent emails and about the show, and he's not on social media. John Samuelson, you have a Facebook account. You's on social media. You know what I'm saying? You don't get sent the show. You probably one of the ones who watch live. Let's be real. Exactly, because you ain't got to get up early in the morning. Yeah, <laughs> you ain't got to get up at all. Right. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. So without a doubt that you 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 got to listen to us. Mm-hmm. You have to listen to us. We 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 one of your, we one of your biggest critics. You know, we expose your corruption cuz you're not living right. You're just not living right and you know, Sam you said and he said uh something he mentioned in the e-board meeting that uh me putting up the financial statements from July and August. And how it could mess up negotiations or whatever the case is. Samuelson know he's about to deliver a shitty contract and he just looking for a scapegoat for somebody to blame. Progressive action isn't that big of a movement to mess up contract negotiations. And we not that stupid to mess up contract negotiations um, because it affects us directly. It don't affect you. You make two hundred and something thousand dollars. It affects us. Right. Like I said, we're the ones that have to deal with the um, new healthcare coverage change, Aetna. You know, mm-hmm. basically, like I said, you know, this is, you know, you don't, you know, basically, the reps are going around in the meetings, and this is what was done in the Bronx meeting. I was told uh, yesterday, yesterday evening, that they're, you know, making sure they stress to people that the change in the health benefit, the change in the um, healthcare provider, is as a result of the 2002 contract. When it was hands when HBT was handed over to the MTA, that's a now, lie. Right. Well, I'm saying to myself, listen, you know, first of all, that was 14 years ago, and a lot of the reps that are in there talking that crap weren't nowhere near office 14 years ago. Okay, so you know, basically, that's what I mean. We say, you know, that's more another example of these reps just trying to just jam information down the members behind. And now some are taking heed to it and some are smart enough not not to. But basically for y'all to have to stress that something was given back to the MTA in 2002, it's like, what do you have to do that for? If everything is on the up and up with the new health care, you know, with the new health uh, care provider, then everything's on the up and up. Why, like I said, why do you have to stress that it was done in 2002? And another thing, why are they in such a rush to change over to Aetna? 
I mean, wait until all the kinks are, you know, ironed out and everything, you know? Yeah, and it, they trying to get it in before the contract going. Right. Because we go fund our own race. Exactly, of, of course. Of whatever it may be, you know, because there wasn't no reason. If the coverage, it wasn't like, you know, you had to get rid of, um, you had to get rid of uh, Blue Claw's Blue Shell. Right, and yeah. it's not, and it's not like they were going out of business. So we had to run and get something real quick. <laughs> exactly, you know, yeah. <laughs> they so, ain't going nowhere. So what was the sense? You know, what I'm saying, yeah, and they don't even have things, you know, kinked out, and y'all rushing to give it to us. You know, that just sounds strange. Mm-hmm. You know, it just don't, it just don't sound right. Like, what are y'all up to? And what are the union? The union is just rolling with the punches. Of course, you know, just rolling with the punches. That's what they do. Just roll with the punches, and um. What else is going on? Uh, Sam, you know, Samuelson been, oh, you know, the whole thing with the financial statements. Mm-hmm. July phone bill was $27,000. Um, August phone bill was 60 something thousand dollars. Okay. So how the hell does a phone bill go up 40 something thousand dollars? I don't know. Maybe they, uh, maybe they, <laughs> what you know, what people could do at home. They, uh, they upgraded their speed, the internet speed. Maybe that what happened. I don't know. Nah, they. I mean, it just, it just don't sound right. And I heard the guy who's in control of communications is like, oh, you know, I'll take you through a walk. I can show you all the telephone lines, and you know, you can see this. This ain't, this ain't no safari. This ain't no sightseeing. The people still not go understand. What they looking at? You could take me to a, a, a through a heart surgeon um, operating table and show me all the instruments. That don't mean I know how to um, do heart surgery. Right. You know what I'm saying? You showing them that for what? It doesn't prove anything. You can't take a crash course in that. Why did the phone bill go up sixty some, uh, forty some thousand dollars? That's somebody's salary in a year. You know what I'm saying? It really, really makes no sense why I went up. So another thing, you know, people make accusations about um you know oh nobody supports progressive action and this is the reason why mainly me this is the reason why nobody don't support progressive action because you know it's you and 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 you know maybe if you listen don't come on my page talking stupid you know what i'm saying you if you don't know what you're talking about don't come on my page as far as i'm concerned we got one of the fastest growing groups in transit. Yeah, man, <laughs> right? because yeah, because I'm <laughs> telling you, every day my phone goes off the hook with notifications of people joining the progressive action and like I said, that's what we encourage. We like we encourage that. We encourage people who are here in the group to bring other people into the group because basically this is informative information. And yeah, and if they want to be, you know, petty, our pictures get more likes than your fe- your selfies. <laughs> 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 I just put up a picture the other day of, you know, just out in the field and got like 90-something likes, uh, you know. It's still light, it's still you know, light. but it's more than they selfies. Yeah. You know what I mean? To get, to get, to get, you know, your pictures to get likes like that, you got to be damn near naked. Yeah. So let's not get fly. Exactly. And, and let me let you listen to something. For, you know, since nobody stands behind progressive action, I got I to gotta, I gotta play them something just to let them hear what it sound like. How you spell racist? How you spell racist? How you spell racist? 
That was my voice, by the way. And I don't know. that Do that sound like people behind me? That sounds like a bunch of people behind a you. A whole yeah. bunch of people, right? A whole bunch of people, yeah. So what are they talking about? I don't know, they, but they're still saying that nobody supports progressive action. I don't know. That that sounded like a whole bunch of people to me. Yeah, a, lo- a bunch of people. And we actually got our guest in the building who supports progressive action. Yeah, that's right. Should we Take had, a seat at, 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 at anyone. Right. We had, uh, you know, we had uh, Charles Barron, even though we kept missing him, but we had Assemblyman Charles Barron who supports progressive action. Heavily. You know, heavily. Heavily. <laughs> heavily. So, every, so y'all need to remember that, heavily. And we also have our guest tonight who supports progressive action. Okay. In the, in the building tonight, we have Mr. Tony Herbert. What's in up, the, what's up? <laughs> all right, how you feeling this evening? I don't know, but y'all got me out past my bedtime, man. <laughs> I hear you. Well, you know, that's a, that's a limit. You know, that's, that's what everybody tells us, you know? <laughs> it's a good cause, though. It's a good cause. Okay. Oh, this is great, man. Nice. This is your first time here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's quite interesting driving around and, you know, what is this, Bushwick? I mean, uh... It's Fort Green. Fort Green. Fort Green. Yeah. It's Fort Green. Yeah. Almost one o'clock in the morning. It's cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it's crazy because people, you know, be like, "Oh, I'm gonna come through here," and they always end up lasting more time than we allot. Yeah. You know wow. what I'm saying? But you know, it'd be good conversation, and we get a lot of feedback. And actually, a few people had hit me with questions for you when they found out that you was coming. Oh, okay. Because they know that you're running against. Um, What's her name? I don't even want to say her. <laughs> <laughs> of course not. You don't want to think about her. Yeah, yeah but, you know, they, they had a few questions for you. But can you give the people a background of yourself? Well, you know, actually, I'm a former staffer for, you know, I used to work for Congressman Towns, worked in the city council, also worked in the state senate. I was a statewide, um, what do you call it, uh, you know, outreach coordinator in the African-American community. Um, on behalf of the reapportionment task force in the state Senate, I had to get, you know, approved to have that job by all of the Senate Democratic caucus. So, you know, I didn't get that job easy uh, for the most part, but I qualified and got it and, and worked with them for about a year and a half. Just, you know, just after 9-11, I left. Um, but my background, you know, straight out of high school is finance. And I wound up in the entertainment industry somehow and then back into politics, you know, for the most part. So yeah, I'm, I'm just a community guy. I started an organization called Advocates Without Borders about maybe, um, let's say about maybe nine, ten years ago, just as I moved into the Bed-Stuy area from my hometown of Prospect Heights. And as soon as I got there, I got welcomed with a 14-year-old kid who was shot in his head. And that changed the dynamics of how I wanted to advocate. Um, with regards to what I had learned at working for elected officials and then having to turn around, having to advocate to save lives. And that's what we do every day, you know, for the most part. So I'm not, you know, I make jokes about it, but, you know, I'm not non-accustomed to walking up in Fort Greene or Bed-Stuy or anywhere 2 o'clock in the morning because that's what we do. We go in, we try to, you know, diffuse situations and work with people with, you know, with issues to help them the best way we can. So that's kind of like where I'm at right now. So I can do public advocate in my sleep because I'm doing it already. <laughs> I see it, I see it. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> you know, every time you, you know you're in front of the, the cameras, and I'm quite sure a lot of things do not get put out there in the news of the no. good things that you do. Well, you know, what's the interesting part about it, and I get a lot of, you know, gum from my own people about being on, on TV. You know, I get called an ambulance chase. I get called a glad fly. You know, what they don't understand for the most part, you know, and I want to be very clear so they understand that. You know, I, can't, I have a marketing background. I worked for an advertising and marketing agency during my course of all the jobs that I had. And um, basically, I recognize what the power of media is. And there are people out here who don't want to do their job. And with that being the case, it always leaves the individuals who needs the help, they're the ones that are suffering. 
So nine times out of 10, when a constituent or a voter or a person in our community goes to an elected official, most oftentimes they're at critical mass. So they're looking for somebody that can just pull that string to make things happen for them. And unfortunately, we don't have a lot of qualified people that work with a lot of these elected officials. They've all been appointed because they basically helped out the campaign or they gave out some flyers or whatever the case may be. And that transpired into them getting a job. But yet they don't understand the dynamics of social work and, and being sensitive to the issues that people need to deal with. And that's the problem we have. So what I thought to do, because I don't have the power of the pen and I don't have the legislative, you know, nod, so to speak, I'm not the elected official. I've got to do something to make people want to do their damn job. And basically, the bottom line is nobody likes to be put on blast. <laughs> that, that's the of truth. So, yeah, <laughs> that, that's the, the truth. truth. So now I so now I recognize what we need to do. So. I have, a, I have a very good understanding on the media, on, on, the, on the news cycle. I understand what, what, what gets on the news. I understand what will get priority on the news. So anytime I jump out and there's a TV camera, that's because we're making somebody do their job. And I, and I totally agree with that. Now, you know, speaking of the media, I noticed that you're more active with your live on Facebook, yes. you know, going live, which is a great thing. And I was watching one of your live videos. Because I didn't know, I don't know too much about the political field. Mm -hmm. And it mirrors actually the union, the way mm. unions operate too. Because, it's all political. <laughs> yeah, it, it is. Basically, yeah. Now, because I seen you mention something about, you know, um, when they have, I guess, community board meetings, there's minutes involved. And, right. you know, the minutes should be emailed to the <clears throat> registered, whoever's registered, sent out. Because, mm -hmm. you know, really, technically, everybody can't. Make no, they these can't. meetings and yeah. and you know they still care about their community and it should be sent out to make them aware of what's going on. Well, that's one of the pieces of legislation I look forward to pushing once I become the public advocate for the city of New York, is to identify because you have that power. You sit in the city council and you can actually move legislation. And the process is, you know, they have these meetings, they move them around the community, your community board, your precinct council, they do these things. But the problem is the, and I guess it's the quagmire, is that oftentimes you know you go to work. Some people work late at night. Some people don't get home till six o'clock, got to get the food on the table and then help kids do the homework. So you don't have time to get dressed up and you know, redressed and go back outside because one, you got to identify a babysitter or somebody else to, to care for your, love, your young ones. Then on top of it, you're tired. You just worked eight hours. So my thought is, and I've always seen it, you know, a lot of the things that happen in our community go down at the community board. And keep in mind, as a community board, each of those individuals are appointed by either a city council person or the borough president. Okay. And, and I think they get an equal share depending upon the number of the district, quote unquote. So with that being the case, those individuals become political pawns, as far as I'm concerned, to a large degree. Because most of them don't have a following and don't have a base in which to go back to communicate that information. Correct. So that stuff stays in the community board. It gets decided amongst these people who got a phone call from that elected official saying, I need you to vote this way. So the, the community doesn't really have that voice. That's why it was easy for the mayor to run Ranchot in East New York because the individuals on the community board, albeit that some of them said they didn't want the development that's taking place, a lot of them was there to cast a vote for what the elected official asked them to do. So I say that to say, we can't get everybody in the building. If everybody decided to get up, all 90,000 plus people who live in a particular district decides they want to get up and go to the community board meeting, how are they going to accommodate that? So my thought is, let's make sure, make it, make it the law uh, and pass legislation that will afford um, the, the uh, community boards, uh, if that's via the borough president's office who has a majority of control, 
that they actually mailed the minutes of those meetings to everybody in the district. So that way, everybody got the information. And that would help us to move, you know, people in a position of knowledge so that they can't be left out of the process when people come in to try to take over your community. Now, or now, even now. or even better, a live stream of the community. That board makes meetings. sense, too. Yeah. That makes sense, too. Now, now, you see what he just mentioned. It's the same thing with us. That board he's talking about is our executive board. Our executive board meeting. And, exactly. and they are ma um, manipulated by the president. Right. Because they don't have their own following. It's, it's the really same thing. Mm -hmm. Of what you're talking now, let me ask you mm -hmm. this: Do you think that um, it's done on purpose to keep people to not engage the community so they could do underhand things? Well, I don't know if it's, I, I can't say it's underhand. It's just politics. It's politics as usual. You know, all politics to me is dirty. And when somebody calls me a politician, I, I get upset because I'm insulted and whatnot. I, I say that I am a community advocate who has to do the business of politics and whatnot. But to be a politician. And that's just in my own technical sense. People might look at me like I'm crazy. But when it's all said and done, I'm like, you know what? You know, if you're not serving the purpose of the people, then you are a politician because you're playing games. Mm. And at the end of the day, to answer to your question, I think that there are things put in place or structures put in place that will not allow our communities or, or, you know, or, or folks to move forward, whether it be your members or anybody else, because somebody has to try to control the masses. And by doing that, you've got to lay down these kind of dynamics to kind of, uh, what they call it, operate from a, um, what's that, that uh, ancient, ancient book that everybody reads? Ottawa. That, and uh, there's another craziness that, you know, one of the elected officials I work for, he kind of, uh, kind of guided us through that. Um, the Machiavelli way, you know oh, what okay, I mean? Okay, okay. So, you know, you keep everybody fighting with everybody and then you stand in control because now you look like the king and, and, you, and you're the winner. Yes, yeah, a whole bunch of confusion. It oh, is. Yeah. yeah. How you feel about um, gentrification? Well, I'm a poster child for gentrification. <laughs> so, you know, my family and I, we lived in, that's why I said I lived in Prospect Heights. I was born and raised. I'm 52 now. I lived in Prospect Heights up until I was about 47. Hmm. And when gentrification kicked in, we lost our apartment. And we were forced to be put in a situation where not to identify somewhere to live. But let me just go back a little bit. It actually tapped me when I was 17, just graduating you know, high school. And they bought the building that we lived in, and we couldn't afford. My mom, who was a school teacher, you know, not a school teacher, but a school aide, and worked in a public school system that we all went to, we got, you know, it was make a decision, either live on the street or go in a shelter. My mom refused to go in a shelter because she felt that we wouldn't survive. And she didn't want to take the, you know, deal with the elements on the street, so they moved us across the street, they, meaning my mother and her boy, then boyfriend, uh, fiance, and moved us into an abandoned building. We lived there for eight and a half months as squatters, and that's, that's, you know, where my advocacy and, and my, my interests of wanting to help others out, because I had an elected official, I'll call her out, Senator Velvinette Montgomery, who was just elected in 83. She had no clue how she could help my family and basically told us just go into shelter and had no conversation. And when I saw that, that stuck with me, you know, th you know through, through my, my youth, through my years of saying, you know what, we've got to do better than this. We can't allow people to get elected into office and they don't have an answer to help their constituents. So that was my problem. So with that being said, that gentrification tapped me and my family on the shoulder because, you know, envision the idea there's no running water in your building. All the pipes were stolen and what have you because they were the copper pipes. They got money for them, so they stole them out of the basement. So you had no water. There's, no, there's nothing in the building. And even the sewage from the toilet and all that stuff that you use, it flushes, but it flushes down to a basement and it piles back up. 
So that's a stench that you walk into every day. And I remember that stench to today because I recall the idea of having to walk in that building and put myself in that position and my family's in that position and whatnot because somebody thought it that, hey, look, we buying this building and they got to go. That's, you know, that's, well, that's a, that's a serious story. You know, people talk about, <clears throat> and, I, and I know you know this, people talk about how hard they are. People talk about, yeah, I'm from the gutter, I'm from this. You know, and basically... That's serious right there. Yeah. Because no running water, no pipes. We got our no water. Stove. We got our water from the hydrant right out in front. The same hydrant where the dogs go and piss and do their thing. Exactly. Wow. So that like I said, that's that right there is tough. And when you come from that, it's you know, it makes you want to work harder to do things for you know, to make things better for other people and of course make things better for yourself. But you gotta get past the embarrassment. You gotta get that past- was the part that was, you know, coming outside with a bucket. You know, I used to pay my brothers to go outside because I don't want to go out. I don't want, I don't want people in the neighborhood to see me. And it was the most embarrassing situation, but I learned from it. And that's why I know how to advocate today because I've been there. I did it. You talk about all the colloquials. They talk about us, you know, single, single household parent, did it. My father lived right around the corner from us. You know what I mean? He lived in a brownstone with a pool in the backyard. We were in a tenement living homelessly. So nobody can't tell me that I don't understand the plight of our community. Nobody can't say nothing to me about it. Yeah. Now, one of, one of your supporters from our, our um, group, they asked you, um, um, how, how you feel about Letitia James' performance thus far? Well, let me say this. I know Tish from the standpoint of when she ran for city council. And if anything, I was the first person to introduce her to the Fort Greene community. And I introduced her to a number of people. And honestly, politics kicked in the way, you know, what she is. And, you know, I mean, we, we kind of put a lot of that stuff under, under, under the, you know, the bridge. But, you know, when it's all said and done, people are still who they are. You know, you can't change your stripes. And unfortunately, I hear people say that she's out there. And, you know, for the most part, she's, she's you know, she's smarter on the law or whatever the case may be. But my problem is, if you're the public advocate, why are people living in these very housing developments that you used to represent, why are they being kicked out? Why are they living in squalor? Why are the repairs not getting done? So with that being the case and what have you, that means that you're not touching the ground. Mm-hmm. And that office has to touch the ground because it's supposedly the ultimate voice, the, the chief cheerleader for the people in our community. And it's an oversight on the mayor that you're supposed to do that oversight. But she's too cuddly with the mayor. She's not, you know, she hasn't made any noise to go after this guy for anything that he's done. And that's a problem for us. Wow, because, you know, <laughs> she's cool with Samuelson. Samuelson endorses a lot of her things. Oh, really? Yeah. She'd she be all over our union website. Oh, okay. So, so, you, so she's cool with our union. Yeah, she's cool with, she's, <laughs> she is, she's cool with them. Um, somebody else asked me, how you feel about protecting uh, civil service law? Well, let's put it like this. It's, it's not so much about the law. It's about the people that work. You know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, I'm about the people. And whatever, it, whatever that's designed around and what have you, whatever the statutes are, whatever the case may be, at the end of the day, it has to make sure and make sense that it helps the people, the people that are hired or working in those particular jobs. You know, why should you not get a, a decent wage or respectable wage that's competitive to somebody in another city or in another borough? Right. Uh, you know what I mean? That has to be the case. And I, and I stand strong on that. I'm strong about labor, but I'm not about abuse. Yeah, yeah, because you know, because the you know the issue we have within the MTA is you know there's disparities between uh, ourselves here at New York City Transit and uh, pay disparities that is, and Metro North and Long Island Railroad. 
you know, Metro North and Long Island Railroad, the thing, you know, the thing is, well, they're a railroad, so they have to, you know, so they make, that's why they make more money. Hmm. But I'm saying to myself, New York City, you know, MTA, I'm sure you know the structure, MTA, the uh-huh. umbrella, and, you know, where the kids, under, you know, where the, you know, where the kids, you know, Metro North, mm-hmm. Long Island Railroad, New York City Transit. So New York City Transit is basically the biggest, earn, you know, well, earn, move more cash people count. Too. Yeah, yeah, we yeah, move yeah. more people. <laughs> so it's like when you talk about productivity and, and, and profit or whatever you want to call it and money being brought in, we're the, you know, we're the biggest ones that bring in the most money. So how are we paid less than our counterparts within the tra- and I'm talking this is within the transportation industry, hmm. but this is the issue that we have in New York City Transit. Uh, you know, it's like most most um, uniform services out here. It's the, it's the white shirts against the blue shirts. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's just a, it's an unfortunate kind of quagmire. But again, it's it's about leadership making the noise, but it's also about unification because you know there's that divide and conquer. And if you ain't working together to get what you got to get, and guess what? You're still going to be subjected to what we call the Willie Lynch letters. And uh-huh. you're going to be separated, divided, and you're never going to have the strength that you need. Yeah, because even with the rally that you attended for us, as far as the separation within New York City Transit itself, where the uh, departments that have mostly women and minorities, they get paid substantially low than the other titles. Yeah, I heard that while I was standing out there. Yeah, you know, 60% for them, and you know, to maintain the titles, the skilled which which mostly is Caucasians is eighty five percent they stop. It's not good, man. It's not a good look. No, so. it's not good. You know, basically the, the departments you're talking about, uh, you know, are the departments where it just so happens that the members are abused more hmm. than the other departments. You know, the maintainer titles are the ones you're talking about where that uh, don't have as many of us in those titles. You know, the ones that are there are for foreigners and you know whatnot, but. Like I said, the departments that we dominate, those are the departments that are treated like, you know, second class citizens yeah. and have and have less. And it's sad, you know. Yeah. Now, the the issue of police brutality, you mm-hmm. know, across the country and even mm-hmm. in New York City, what do you think has to be changed? Well, you know, that's that's what we're dealing with right now, you know, and it's interesting because everybody seems to think that I have a cozy relationship with the police department. I don't have a cozy relationship. I got an understanding of what needs to be done. And you can't operate from the outside in order to change things that's happening on the inside. So you've got to be an insider. Um, With that being said, I'm fortunate enough to have the ear of the police commissioner. I'm fortunate enough to have the ear of the president of the SBA and, and, and also, you know, not so much of the PBA, but I do have a brother who's one of the vice presidents I'm able to communicate with. But my, my, my whole sense of what's going on with regards to brutality is that there's just a sense of ignorance in what have you in every job. And there's people that, you know, they abuse their position of power. And unfortunately, in what have you, we still have to weed those people out. But that doesn't condemn, you know, everybody that's in that particular uniform. And I, and I have to say that, and I don't encourage, you know, or, or rally behind any situation that's going to bring any kind of situation where somebody is saying, go kill a cop. I can't do that. Having family members and friends that I went to school with on the job, I just can't support that concept. And as a public advocate, you should never take a position um, on either side. You should be down the middle and coming up with an idea or, or better yet, some type of a plan so that you can build the relationship synergistically so that everybody can get along. And then get to the to the meat of those that are creating these issues, and then push them out. That's what has to be done. Correct. Now you know for the for like a situation where a cop does kill an unarmed black man. You know I'm against. I don't understand the strategy of of marching in our own community. 
and disturbing our own community. I just don't understand it. Me personally, I'd rather go to their community and disturb them and create a wick. I call it creating awareness. See, and that and that, and that's a good strategy to do it. You know, like you take for Baltimore and places like that, which I went down and actually talked to some of the leadership down there. You know, destroying your city, your 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 community doesn't get you anywhere. It sets you back. No, it doesn't. It sets you back. And, you know, and I'm going to be honest with you. I'm still trying to figure out what the agenda is for Black Lives Matter and what have you. Because I already know my life matter. I know my kids' lives matter. And I know my friends' lives matter. But what is the agenda? Because I participated thinking that, okay, we're going to go and walk these streets in Brooklyn and whatnot because of the shootings that have just taken place. Not just the shooting of, of the young lady at the parade, but also a shooting prior to that. And, we, and they stopped at a couple of locations that was just a little bit away from where other shootings are taking place, but there was no solace. There was no interaction with regards to, you know, memoriam for these particular individuals that were hurt. So my thing is, well, what's the agenda? All I saw was fight the power. I saw um, the KKK, you know, all that stuff. And I'm like, I don't understand the agenda here. And I'm a little lost with it. And, you know, I, I propose to want to sit down with this brother they got out here who's taking on the New York chapter of this organization so that we can sit down and I can have someone understand him. But until that, I can't support a movement that ain't got no agenda. Would you say the same thing for um, Farrakhan movement? Because you look, I look at the Million Man March, uh, what it happened in 96 or 90, 95, 95 yeah. and 2005 was 20 years. And we didn't have no change. Like, I didn't understand what the march was really for. Like, it wasn't like, you know what, we go mm-hmm. set up a program for um, police. If they do this, uh, 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 we go try to get a, another outside agency to handle the prosecutions for the police. Uh, you know, something mm-hmm. to get within those 20 years, which it was 95, looked like 2005 to me. Well, you know, the interesting part about that whole movement, um, there has been uh, uh, aggressive stands. I don't know if you knew the, the stat- statistics with regards to what happened right after the Million Man March. The crime levels went down. A whole lot of stuff went down for a, a short period of time, which was what the effect was supposed to be. But the long term was that individuals were supposed to go back to their communities and build on what the experience was. We didn't get that. We went right back to what we were cut, you know, what was taking place and what have you, because there's a problem with our leadership right? and what have you. And the problem is we, as black folk, we don't understand the dynamics of, of, of you know, sometimes you just have to be an Indian. You can't, everybody can't be a chief. And the unfortunate part about it is we have that whole crabs in a barrel. You ain't getting more than me, you know, so I, I, I got to take a position and whatnot. And I see this in all the organizations we have. You know, you know every time you turn around, you know, I'm going to start my own chapter of this because I can't control what you're doing. So we have to check ourselves. We have to be able to build a better, a better set of circumstances to move our community forward. Then we can talk about unification. And people talk about the Jewish community, but they need to go take a look at them, see what they're doing. Some of them walk down the street and don't even know each other. But I can guarantee you, if anything happened to one of them, they're they going to push out the masses and they're going to push the buttons and make everybody respond to them because they stick together. Oh, yeah, definitely. They stick together, even in this situation back in 91, you know, when Gavin Cato got hit by the um, Jewish dry, mm-hmm. guy who was driving. Remember that? Yeah. yeah. One? Yeah. And so basically they came together and stuck together. And what happened to that guy? I forgot. No, you know what happened to him. You know what I'm that's, so, so, so that's what I'm like, you know, but basically these other communities, the Asian communities. They all know, stick together, man. They, they all stick together. When you look at these different parts of, uh, like I know Bay Ridge is a up and coming Asian community in Brooklyn. I know you got Chinatown, of course, and but base and, and Flushing Queens, of course. But basically, like Farrakhan talked about, all the money 
circulates in their community and it doesn't go outside the community. And that's what we need to do as blacks and African Americans. Our money, mm-hmm. first of all, we need to build up our communities yeah. and not tear it up. Okay? But, to, but to your point with regards to the Muslim community, there's some strong brothers out here, Brother Paul Muhammad and Mosque Number 7C, and, and those brothers, matter of fact, they're, they're doing it. They're out here. They're, you know, they're continuously banging, excuse me, the message. I mean, if, if there's something going on in our communities, they're about 40, 40, 50 deep sitting in the housing developments just trying to, you know, cure, you know, cure the violence. So there's, they're, they're, they're true to the word of the movement. It's just that you got to get more people on board. Yeah, more people, yeah. Now, I seen you post pictures um, the other day of, I think it was in the housing development. And <laughs> I, I mean, oh it, it's God. very, very sad for, you know, what I've seen. The pictures was, I mean, very decrepit. Yeah. And it, it, was, it was horrible. Can you expand on that? Well, what's happening is um, I'm actually touring, along with a couple of colleagues, all 328 housing developments in the city of New York, Um, particularly because of these kind of issues where people are living in in squalor. You know, I mean, one of the pictures I posted showed a rat that got cut, that got caught in the wall, could get through and died right there. Wow. And the father of that, you know, of the of the six year old and the baby that was about to be born in that apartment, you know, was at a community meeting the night before. And we're in the Bronx. This is in Mitchell Houses in the Bronx. But keep in mind that's that's been happening all over the place. There's there's folks who are living in conditions and what have you. They put in these tickets. They ask, you know, they try to get the supervisors to get their men, folks in there to fix up these apartments. I mean, paint chips and lead paint and all of that stuff. The, the way folks are being made to live is like some type of third world country right here in the United States, right here in New York City. So when it's all said and done, you know. I actually chair the citywide civic engagement um, uh, committee for the the NAACP NYCHA branch. So it's you know it's it's my responsibility to go out and do outreach. You know on top of what I do as a community advocate. And uh, with that being said, I made a commitment. I'm going to every housing development, and we're going to identify where these issues are. Now they're throwing smoke and mirrors out here talking about they've got a 10 year plan. People can't live in these apartments more than 10 more minutes. Yeah, that's correct. And whatnot with the way that the conditions are as asthma, um, all kind of breathing issues because of the mold, the black mold. Then they got the slimy stuff that's coming down. All that stuff will make people sick. And keep in mind, the mayor lives in public housing, but it don't look anything like what these people live in. You said the mayor lives? Yeah, Gracie Mansion is public housing. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you never thought of it like yeah, that, I right? Thought, I never thought about it yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and, it's, and, it's, and it's amazing that people live like that because that's, you know, the, um, the way the city looked and a lot of people lived, you know, like, you know, 40 years ago, 40 mm-hmm. plus years ago, well, 40 years ago, you know, when the city was um, in de- bad, bad despair and broke and everything so basically and buildings were being burned down and so basically it's like you would figure in 2016 that uh most people in this town would be living a lot better you know mm-hmm. i know some parts of the city is still still uh bad like i know the south bronx on willis avenue is still uh methadone territory over there well that's over there by mitchell houses i mean mitchell that, House, yeah that's where, that's where i was at the other night oh okay yeah so what's your thoughts on the upcoming presidential elections <laughs> donald trump needs to go go, go somewhere I mean, it is what it is. I mean, at the end of the day, Donald Trump put his foot in his mouth when he went after women and being disrespectful of women and all of this stuff is is, is strategically put in play. It was just a matter of, okay, we released this on this day. You will not. I mean, it's the Democrats and the Republicans. That's basically what it is. I keep telling people, don't get caught up in this this politics stuff with regards to what party you're a part of. Because when it's all said and done, they're all still sitting in the same back rooms, cutting deals and breaking up the pie. 
So <laughs> that's, that's correct. So do you think that there need to be a separate party for the working class? Well, they tried that. They, that's why they came up with the Working Families Party. And then that turned around to be, you know, some, some bit of a farce because they don't truly help to elect people that are, are worthy of running. They play politics with regards to who got the money and who's got the popularity with the other unions. And then they all make it identify who's going to be what. And this is how. And this is how I know this. When, when James Davis, you remember James Davis who was killed? Yeah. I actually was the only person to announce that I was going to run against him in 2003. And unfortunately, when he, when he was killed, um, but prior to that, I got all the support of, of, of all these, quote unquote, um, county leaders and all this stuff. And I'm like, yeah, we're going to go with Tony because they didn't like James. Not that I solicited it. They offered it to me because they wanted somebody else in. But they, they wanted somebody they can control. I guess they figured I'm not that dude. Long story short, they, James passed away. He was, or should I say, was killed. And then the unfortunate part about it, here comes Tish James. Tish couldn't run on the Democratic line because the line was already full. So she had to go on another party line and they cut backdoor deals to get her the Working Families Party line. And Working Families sat down with the Democratic Party and they said, all right, we're going to get Tish elected. But wait, we got to get this Tony Herbert out of the way. He's going to win because Jeffrey Davis was taking up the mantle for his brother. Uh, yeah. And then he started getting smashed in the papers and yeah. whatnot. And I'm like, well, dang. So I'm moving forward. But what happened was before James had passed away, you know, the, the game is um, challenge his petitions, you know, whatever the case may be. Now, I qualified to get on the ballot. But what happened was I got, you know, I guess maybe because of the press that was there, you know, after the, after the shooting and all that stuff, I got people calling me up saying, keep going forward, fight, 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 and then turn around. Somebody came, a couple of people came to me and said, yo, we want to help your campaign out. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. I'm a neophyte. I never ran for office before. <laughs> I mean, I worked for electeds, but I never ran for, you know, ran for office. And then I said, all right, cool. So this attorney came, and then this other young lady came and came to find out they came to sabotage so I couldn't get on the ballot to, wow. help, to wow. help Tish out. And that's what that was what going on. And we found out that, you know, because what happened was the attorney that they sent over, come to find out, was Tish's accountant. I mean, treasurer for her campaign. Wow. <laughs> so, so in all reality, this is Tish and Tony, too. This is, that's what's getting ready to go but down. But you got, your, you got your circle tight at this time. Oh, yeah. You know, I, I learned a lot, bro. I took a lot of beatings. I understood the dynamics of what I needed to do. And, you know, I'm ready to run. I'm running. I'm not running against her. I'm running for the people's vote. That's what I'm doing. Yeah, that's it. And, you know, I heard that she's going for possibly running for the DA. Um, she, she has a lot of options. She's fortunate to be able in that position. I mean, don't get it wrong. Tish is a, is a political pit bull and, um, and has a lot of credentials or whatever the case may be. Somebody even said to me, too, well, you know, she's an attorney. You know, don't you think she would be better? Not that don't you think she should be. Uh, she would probably be better qualified. I had, to, I had to stop them right there. I said, hold on, let me explain something. Most of the people that's going to jail in Albany for corruption are attorneys. <laughs> Ironically, right? I'm just saying. So, doesn't necessarily mean you need to be an attorney and what have you to run for office. Give you another example. Mike's boss, you know, and 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 she's in poor health. But Councilmember Priscilla Wooten, she's oh. the reason East New York looks the way it looks, and what have you. And mind you, she was a bathroom matron in a public school before she ran for office. Wow. Okay. Wow. And, and went in there and learned the game, and they tried to beat her up, and she was the most strategic, most intelligent politician in Brooklyn. Wow. Okay. Now, um, you, you mentioned that you used to work for Ed Towns, right? I worked for Ed Towns, yeah. I worked for Towns. I worked for Priscilla Wooten and worked in the Senate. Now, when I was doing research prior to, like, months ago, Ed Towns, he had something to do with the, um, the crime bill. 
did he vote on that? I don't know. Because I, uh, uh, I, 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 I would don't like to remember. I would like to know why did he vote on that? I don't even know. You were yeah. talking about the bill that Bill Clinton put forward? Yeah. Uh, well, you know, I mean, hey, they, they did what, you know, they have friends, you know, and he was very friendly with Bill Clinton. Oh, really? He's very funny. <laughs> you ain't know that guy? No, I didn't know. No, I, didn't know. <laughs> He's very yeah. I mean, he threw, you know, he threw a fundraiser for Bill Clinton in, oh, in New York. <laughs> that's that's the problem. See, that's the problem I have with um, you know, Hillary. You know, people be like, oh, you know, you gotta vote, and I'm looking at it. Damn, I gotta pick between piss and shit. <laughs> to be honest with you, yeah. and, and 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 to and you know. You look at the plight that we went through in the 60s with civil rights mm -hmm. and, and things like that. I personally believe that black people need to, we need our back against the wall. Mm. Because I feel that Hillary will make us more complacent. And I think that's that's the part of keeping us sheep or complacent at the most. Mm. Oh, you know, we put Hillary in, but like you said, they were both in the back room together. They all came at, at, at the end of the day, somebody like Trump, I believe that he will awaken black people because of all the negative things that he's, he's getting. And I think we need a rude awakening. Yeah, and and you know, when it comes to Hillary, and I just I just don't trust Hillary Clinton. Hmm. You know, basically, uh, you know, this is somebody that's bought by Wall Street, or this is somebody that constantly lies. <laughs> this is somebody that's constantly lying. But Trump, I mean, listen, it is what it is. We know who he is, that's number one. You know, he's telling you straight up who he is and, 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 and what his motives are and what he's about. And then another thing, you know, like I said, we go hard for worrying about who's, 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 who's the president of the United States. But guess what? Can't nobody can't do nothing without Congress. So Paul Ryan, Mitch McConnell and, and um, uh, all, all uh, Eric Cantor, all them people will be there to if Trump goes up for a crazy shot, they're going to swat it right out the air. And the well, same thing with Hillary Clinton. Well, see, that's, that's the whole thing, and people don't get that. You know, they don't understand that the president of the United States really can't do anything without the vote of Congress, with exactly. the exception of introducing those executive orders. Executive yeah. orders, right. And whatnot. And, you know, you, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm supporting Hillary, and I'll tell you why. Because I'm very afraid that Donald Trump is going to go out there and cause us to go to war. And I'm very afraid of that. And I still have teenage boy, young boys and a teenage son. I just can't afford to see going to fight no war that they didn't help create. Correct. So I got a problem with Donald Trump in that atmosphere. And as far as him waking up black folk, I mean, we're already awake. We just, you know, we just sitting there being stupid and whatnot. We're stuck on stupid because we're not exercising the power that we have. And I, and I, and I relegate it to this. The New York City Housing Authority, residents in New York City Housing Authority, 400,000 plus if they just stood up and voted, they can dictate politics up and down the East Coast, Eastern uh, Seaboard, because that's how powerful the vote is. But by being complacent, being happy or just quiet because, you know, you don't feel you have anybody to vote for or then you or, and a non vote really puts in the negative person most of the time. You know, I mean, you're happy with them coming by with some Franks and a burger for your family day and then cut out. Well, that's, I mean, a, that's exactly what goes on. I'm telling you, it's, my, it's mighty funny that you're saying this. Yeah. That this same thing goes on inside our local 100. Yes. Yeah, so <laughs> you saying this, and, and this, wow. and you could, you saying stuff that you could run for president and be like, and I, inside our local and be like, where is this bullshit going on? <laughs> it's, it's the same thing with our family day. Yeah. You give them, you put, open the up a parking lot. Right. Yeah, chicken in the rib, and everybody's happy and whatever. Whatever, whatever's happened, and, and a lot of us, you know, as far as the power, I don't believe we understand the power of a vote. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
the main problem. We have to educate, man. We have to really, really educate. And, and, and this situation with regards to these apartments is the prime example because our people are more reactionary than they are proaction. Exactly. Right? And, you know, exactly. You know, and that's a problem. And they and see, it's not just about the vote. Also, people need to be educated to who they're voting for and what's going on. Do your homework and do your research on these people first. Now, basically, again, you know, I know you said you voted for Hillary and, and everything, just like, but it's like, but again, this it's these things I can't get past Hillary with in her past. No, I mean, I respect your vote. I you mean, know what I'm saying? And it's like, I, so it's <laughs> like, it just makes it, it's a dilemma every day up to, up to election day. Am I going to go vote? Mm -hmm. I, you know, so it's like, I don't know, man, but I know, I guess it'll be an ignorant thing if I just sit at home and not exercise my right. Let, you me, know? let me tell you something, man. Women across this country are going to galvanize and they're going to go out and your boy ain't getting nowhere. No, I don't believe he's going to get, I don't believe that he may win, but us black folks need a wake up call. Well, yeah. we do. We do. And it's not going to be a slam dunk for Hillary if she does win. And well, not real. Well, she's going to win. But you got to understand something too. You don't win with the popular vote. You win with the electoral vote. Yeah, right. And whatnot. And I'm still trying to understand how that works. <laughs> I mean, really, really, what it what it looks like to me is that it's a fake democracy, which means that. You know, we gonna make it look like y'all go have the chance to to voice your opinion with this vote. Mm -hmm. You know, you cast your vote, and you know that's your say. But the electoral votes is what decides what everything. Is what, what decides everything yeah. exactly. So, so I mean, the way the way I, I mean, it just don't make no sense to me. It's crazy. Shouldn't it be the majority vote? Yeah, I'm still trying to educate myself on that process. <laughs> yeah, in this country and what's going on exactly. It, it's fake. Know? It's fake. Mm -hmm. So you know, with, with you running for public um public advocate, you know, off the office. What should be your top three priorities? Well, definitely um, affordable housing, you know, advocating to make sure to ensure that we still have that existing. Um, couple that with everything and anything to do with our young people and also to stop this violence. Those are my three top top priorities. Yeah. Couple that with I mean, it's sort of kind of mirrored with, you know, me helping to build more small businesses. Small businesses are the backbone of our, our society. And if we don't get back to that process and allowing folks to have their own businesses and working for themselves, you know, not, then we're, we're losing out in a lot of different ways because the small business people will be the ones hiring our young brothers and sisters. Right. You know, not. So, you know, I stand. I mean, I wear a lot of hats. You know, my, you know, my, my brothers and them and my family look at me like I'm crazy. Like, well, what else you going to get involved with? <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the chair of the African-American International Chamber of Commerce. And I'm also the president of the New York State Minority Restaurant Nightlife Association. And all of that stuff, if you listen to what it's all about, it's all about advocacy. It's all about what I'm already doing. So I'm just expanding on that. I have the experience in financials. I have the experience in understanding the stock market. I got the experience in understanding dynamics of, of how government should run and work. Um, so all of those variables I bring to the table. So when you say priorities, everything's a priority to me. Yeah. I'm just multifaceted. I'll be able to train my staff to focus with a lot of different tentacles. And what have you, where it all comes back to me to give it this, you know, the sign seal of approval on how we should move. Yeah. Right. You know, definitely, um, you know, I agree with you with that, to where it's an important thing to where if young people are going to have an opportunity and if they're going to uplift themselves, they have to have a lot of opportunities available to them. They have to mm -hmm. have um, vocational training in, the, in these in these high schools. They have to bring it back mm -hmm. and they have to have access to other um, trades and learning that way they could get into, you know, different things, you know. Skill jobs. Yeah. Skill, skill jobs. Right. Exactly. Oh, skill yeah, exactly. Job. exactly. Exactly. And, and, you know, you know, I keep going back to this, but the city of New York is in total noncompliance with regards to Section 3. 
in section three basically a create creates an opportunity for those that live in areas as being developed and what have you that are primarily low income or whatever where you get an opportunity to get one of those jobs and that construction that's going on that's by law but they're not in compliance with that now i understand labor so the deal i'm looking at with section three is to get these young people bring them to to labor and get them as an apprentice or whatever the case may be so they can start developing themselves and get an opportunity to get a job because we got to have labor you know there's no two ways about it but when it's all said and done we've got to get our young people into labor so they can grow into those jobs now you know it's, it's, it's mighty funny you say that because um like once again within our union um they said they canceled the program that allowed the uh you know minorities and people who don't have the skills to get these jobs and they canceled it because they said they couldn't read mm. the what Joe Bermudez told me, mm-hmm. the reason the program was canceled because a lot of people couldn't read. Let me and I thought that was an excuse. Let me tell you something. These young people out here are very intelligent. If they can go out here and, and mastermind opening up bank accounts and, and, and ripping off people's um, credit cards <laughs> and, and what have you and, and, and move them around the different accounts and, and know when to circulate, they, they can damn sure go in and do a job. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, even all types of, you know, crime comes from some type of genius you look at somebody who sell crack mm-hmm. you got to cook it you're a chemist yeah. well you ain't going to jail because um cocaine you get less time than crack so because once you start cooking it you turn into a chemist mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what i'm saying and you get in charge for actually being a chemist that's mm-hmm. how i look at it wow you know and, and, it's, yeah. and it's crazy and you mentioned something about affordable housing mm-hmm. for who because for me <laughs> for me yeah. i make sixty thousand something dollars a year right mm-hmm. No programs are for me. Nope. So the people who make 30000 there's a whole bunch of programs. And I think that, you know, I, I grow six hundred. My net probably be like 40000 And I'll probably end up spending like 12000 on rent or whatever. Mm-hmm. There's no programs for me. No. And actually, that's, a, that's the situation for a lot of people, unfortunately. When they build these buildings and they do this development, they minimize the fair market value on, or should I say, they maximize fair market value, and then they go do these 80-20 splits. So 20% of the, of, the, of the housing goes to the low in income, but then you turn around, you got to meet a certain quota. So it's even bad for some people. So the question is, to get around a table with some real economists that understand the affordable market scene, and one of those people that I'm able to sit down with is Don Peebles. Don Peebles is a black billionaire. And what have you, who's considering to run for mayor. He's going to make a decision in January. Okay. And, and basically was one of the frontline supporters for de Blasio when he, re- when he rationalized that de Blasio wasn't giving his fair share of support to minority contractors. He pulled back his support and said, you know what? Clearly, you lied to me. So if that's the case, then maybe I need to run against you. You know, I could afford to do it. <laughs> you, know, you know what I'm saying? So those are the kind of people, you know, you don't, nobody goes into any job. In what have you thinking they know everything. Let's be very clear. When a city council person introduced legislation, it ain't the city council person sitting there writing out the bill. They have a whole department of attorneys and paralegals that sit there and go through this information and put it together for presentation to get out on the floor. So you don't have to be a a genius to to understand the dynamics of governing. You just got to understand the the aspects of, of what the needs are for the people and how do you get those needs met by getting it through legislation. Right. And basically, the paralegals do all the work. Basically, <laughs> and so the attorneys and, and on, the attorney on record. Chill exactly. on record, exactly. Yeah. So you know, I, you know, when they talk about you know, okay, you know, old girl is an attorney. I'm like, okay, cool. But I'm like, what about the 15 attorneys that sit in the back room putting the paperwork together <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> that I could hire too? You know what I'm saying? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. Mm-mm-mm. You know, and and a lot of these, a lot. Of, see, you came here. You know, you shop. 
there's no thinking game and this is what we need we need people I feel with the, it. yeah we need people with the answers yeah. right now not think about it or be coached or what would Joe Joe always say sock puppets sock for your sock <laughs> puppets yeah, <laughs> yeah. you know have, have yeah. sock puppets and and you know these type of things See, you know what it is T I, I you know I wake up every day trying to figure out you know how and, and and I do what I do for selfish reasons I'm gonna be very clear you know let me be very you know open to it my reasons are when I leave this world I need to know that I put enough chips to the side that my maker will say, you know what? I understand you might have had some issues here and you went a little, you know, a little astray. But all the work that you did in the community, okay, we can give you a pass and you go right on through the gates. That's why I do what I do. Mm. That's real. That's real, um, you know, important. I mean, you know, a lot of people don't even say what they do and things like that. But, you know, even with the um, affordable the affordable thing, because that bothers me a lot. What, what I didn't know was about all these AMIs, mm. average, medium, Medium income, income or the other other community area you, area medium yeah, income yeah, and that yeah. stuff too yeah yeah you know and the count from what I understand is that the councilmen actually sign off for these things and they are part of the problem ain't too. no ain't no development going down that a council member didn't sign off for exactly so and I understand the people put these you know these people in to represent us but it seemed like they signing off on things that is not going to benefit us well see here's the problem you know and and this is why folks. When people talk about politicians, how they're dirty and grimy and all that stuff, because you, you go in under the impression you're going to change the world, but then you get caught up in the system. That's the beauty of the public advocate seat. You don't really have to, you don't have to give anybody anything. You just have to work for the people. So there ain't no need for you to be in there structuring deals with people about development and all this other stuff because you're an advocate. You're advocating for that which the people need access to. Outside of the city council seat, assembly seat, congressional seat, Senate seat, you're in there cutting deals. And you're sitting there with people in your district who need you to sign off on certain things. Mm. If it's state property, you need the assembly person in the Senate. If it's city property, you need the borough president and the free and, and the council member. They've got to sign off in order to give the authorization for stuff to get through landmarks and, and, and you know, in, in the chamber. And also other deals to get through the mayor to get signed off so you can get these contracts. So there's a lot of wheeling and dealing and then folks have to compromise themselves in order to get what they want because they don't go to the table with the resources that they need to make things happen. When you go with your hat out in your hand, you're a sucker. You're caught. They got you. Yeah. And they know that now they can manipulate you. I.e., the same thing with going to unions and whatnot because most people can't get elected without union support because they can't raise the money, nor can they get the bodies on the street. Yeah. That's why they go to unions. Yeah. So um, like when I look at the communities. When I was growing up, we had after-school programs. Yep. We had PAL. PAL. Um, I even in school we had Spectre. Where the, no, that's a different one. I never heard that one. Yeah, Spectre. Um, the police used to come to the class mm. and teach us about police work, and you know, it was basically like community affairs, but inside the school. Interesting. And and oh, okay. How do you? What do you think we need to do to bring those type of programs back? Because there's nothing for us. Basically, after we get out of school. Transparency. We have to be, someone has to go in. And keep in mind, public advocate sits on the board for the budget and whatnot. Um, so the state you, budget or the, the city budget? The, the city budget. budget. The city, city budget. budget. Well, yeah. it comes from the state. Well, yeah, everything comes from the Fed. Everything comes from it the trickles Fed. down. It, yeah, it, it gets watered down. down by the time it gets down to us. Exactly. <laughs> But, um, you know, you sit there, you know, so you have an opportunity to see what the budget's like, you know, and you're supposed to have you're supposed to have a relationship with the controller and the mayor and what have you. But your relationship shouldn't be that cozy where you co-sign everything the mayor's doing. So to your question, 
there has to be some type of transparency with regards to how they allocate money. Keep in mind that they get these budgets and what have you for their quote unquote um, Lulus, we call them and whatnot. And that's their set asides, you know, so they can do their little favorite projects. But there's also they always put this big pool aside for emergencies or something that they need to do with regards to. And we call it the slush fund. And we got one of those too. (laughs) Shout out to Harry Wills. We got one of those too, right? (laughs) So you know, so this slush fund is put aside, but it's it's there for them to do whatever they gotta do to play politics with it, to get people to lean a different way or to get somebody to vote a different way. And unfortunately it's not getting back to the community. There's $10 million of what the TPA funds, which is tenant, you know, activity funds, that's missing from, from the New York City Housing Authority budget. Wow. They didn't give it to the residents. So where's the money? So here comes the public advocate. You're supposed to ask the questions. Where's this money at? And why has it not been applied? Tish hasn't done that yet. Wow. Wow. Mm. So if they don't use the money, do it go back or like what oh, happens? To- they'll use it, but they don't use it for what it's supposed to be used for. It gets caught up in something else. And then they trickle it back. And that's how that's how they play the games, you know, with the, fin- the Department of Finance and all that stuff. And the Department of Finance is doing the dance with the controller. Now, this controller, I got to give him his props. You know, Scott Stringer's on it. You know what I mean? He made it very clear. I don't work for de Blasio. However, the public advocate's office does. And, I, and, I, and, I, and I'll tell you why. Because the public advocate's office, excuse me, is still under the thumbprint of the mayor's budget acts. Uh. And if that's the case, now you're operating at a, at a disadvantage because how am I supposed to come do oversight on you and you control my, you know, my ability to have staff and, and, and be able to do the things I need to do? So what has to be also be introduced is a referendum in the, in the um, city, uh, city constitution, whatever, you know, whatever it is again, in that we have to separate the Office of Public Advocates budget from the mayor's ability to access. Without a doubt, because if you decide to speak out on anything, next he goes you know, he go strain your department. Exactly. <laughs> he goes, and, and she can't come back and tell me, oh, you know, uh, I'm going to be quiet. Scott Stringer ain't quiet. You know what I mean? Mm. When it's all said and done, do your job. And everything will work itself out. But that's the first thing that needs to be corrected. It needs to, you need to get the public advocate out of the office of the mayor. Wow. That's, see, I never knew that. Yeah, that's great. I never knew that either. I did my research, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, because it, 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 it seems like, you know, you forced to go along with whatever the mayor says. Well, I won't be forced. And if you rock the boat. You're going to, you'll be the only one of your staff. Because <laughs> it's, it's my intention, you know, first and foremost, because most people, a lot of people don't know who to go to. The first thing somebody would say, well, I'm going to my congressman. But a congressman deals with federal issues and whatnot. So each level has their own interaction with regards to the governance that they have. So if it's a city issue, you go to the city council person. However, public advocate, as far as I'm concerned, could go across the board. And, and I have the ability to train my staff to do that. And when I, I know federal, I've did over um, a thousand immigration cases by myself, over fifteen hundred constituent cases by myself. So I understand what needs to go in when you do intake and what needs to be done. And don't be tricked by this three one one system. It's just another farce for you know them having the ability to say this is what we did. But when you have an issue, and like I said, remember, most people when they go to an elected official, nine times out of ten they're at the last straw, and they need some type of intervention immediately. Correct. However. I'm calling 311 and I've got this situation. Now I got to wait for a letter in the mail to tell me what's the next steps. No, I can't do that. So my staff will be trained to pick up the phone and call the intergovernment relations person in every city agency to expedite whatever the issue is. So now when people, let's say, 
when people in a certain neighborhood or people in general have an issue with their bus service or their train service or they want to make a change, but particularly bus service, when they want to change, you know, can they go to their public advocate and the public advocate oh, can... Oh, sure, certainly, because now you have the ability, because keep in mind, the public advocate still goes to Albany and meets with the, meet with the legislators, so you partner with folks or whatever the case may be, and those that don't want to do what they need to do, then you know what? You have the public's ear. You let them know that your representative is not helping to move anything forward. So then that comes back to haunt them on the next election. Wow. It's very interesting that, you know, even you mentioned that because like even in subways for the for the, the, the Caucasians, basically, that live on the Upper West Side, they take the nice trains in the summertime and put them on their lines mm. for the for the AC and take it off the J line, which, you know, run through basically. Yeah, they, they oh, do. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, they yeah. do that. They, 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 that. They switch out the trains in and, the summertime. And what they and what they tell the, the, the workers is. Uh, they have to have those older trains out in the open because those the air conditioning units have to breathe. <laughs> that's the insti- that's the institutional wow. reason why, you know. Wow. Yeah, they definitely get the, the trains in the um the, the nicer trains in the summertime. Well, I, I you know just on this note, I would never get the support of the TWU, and I'll tell you why. Because I'm not a go along get along kind of dude. Um, I'm going to always advocate for civil service workers. That's always going to be the case. There's no turning around from that, whether I get the endorsement or not. But when it's all said and done, when that pylon comes and that phone call is made from another union calling another union boss saying, all right, we all going this way, like in the race we just had in the 55th Assembly District um, in the last, you know, 2009, I think it was, or 2000, whatever it was. And that was when William Boylan Jr. went to jail. And basically that seat was wide open. Five of us ran. I was in that race. And I was poised to be able to get a lot of support because they thought that I was better qualified. Phone call was made from a CSA um, union boss, big dog, and it went around to everybody. We're going with this person. I started getting apology phone calls. Tone, we can't help you. Can't do it. We can't move forward because we got a call from up top. Wow. Mm. Wow. But I, I think that if we could get our current union president out and we get our people in, It'll change. Mm. It, it won't. I don't think it would happen. With 2009, that was that was Samuelson. That was the beginning mean? of Samuelson. Uh, as far as he said, he never get the support of TWU. Well, 2010 was the beginning. It was the actual beginning. In yeah. the elections was in 2000. Yeah, it could have been 2012. I mean, oh, def- yeah. de- definitely yeah. it was. It was yeah. Samuelson, and he seems to who he support SB a lot. SB a lot, yeah, up in the Bronx. Yeah, he yeah. support he support Letitia mm-hmm. and 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 people like that. But you're right. Under this administration, you won't because you not you don't seem like you part of corruption. Now, I, well, for let me be very clear, you know, I'm claustrophobic, so I ain't, I'm <laughs> not sitting in nobody's jail cell. I'm sorry, exactly, yeah. yeah, that's one thing you ain't got to worry about. I ain't going to jail for nobody. Mm-hmm. And you know, it was weird because when I speak of that phone call being made because the young lady that was running, and mind you, she ain't even around no more. After the election, just totally disappeared. And I'm sitting here and I'm like, you got, you know, unfortunately, they identify with these folks. I mean, granted, I'm going to do the job. And, and if, if a union came to me and said, Tone, we got this issue, then we're going to deal with it if, if, in fact, it definitely affects the members being able to get what they need. So I'm going to support that. But why not giving me the chance? You know what I mean? They're playing games. You know, even with and, and here's the crazy part with TWU when um, what was his brother? Edwin, Edwin Thomas. Edward, the, the brother that was killed on the bus. Oh, okay. on, Edward Thomas on the B-46. On the yes. B-46. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was the one that held the rally out there. 
I was the one that had the notices going around to all the depots. Hey, we doing something out here to bring attention to this because our bus drivers need to be safe. That was me. And I had a couple of brothers walking with me. That they went around and they dropped stuff off and we strategized that. I had every news channel and everybody out there to bring attention to that. And it was such a good feeling because I saw your members driving by and what have you. I mean, buses that wasn't even supposed to be on that route came down Malcolm X Boulevard. <laughs> <laughs> all proud, huh? Wow. I'm just saying, you know, okay, and yeah. it was just the camaraderie was awesome, it, you know, for the most part. But when it was all said and done, I couldn't get TWU support. And it's mighty funny because you did more than what our president do. Yeah. <laughs> he, right. he, he just did a, um, a 10 minute interview with Errol Lewis. And he spent that 10 minutes attacking de Blasio and talking about construction unions. Mm. Meanwhile, our contracts is doing January and negotiations start the 15th. We just had a bus driver cut. Yeah. We just had a token booth attempted to be cut on fire. We just had a track worker fall on the tracks, got her arm amputated Damn. because she was burned and, and, and all this other stuff. And none of these issues is, is of concern to him. But this is the same guy who says he used to chase black people out of his neighborhood. Garrison Beach from Garrison really? Beach. Yeah, yeah, this is the same guy. You know, Garrison Beach have their own history. You know what I'm saying? And and they mad because I told them that I'm not afraid of none of the beaches. Garrison Beach, Howard Beach, Manhattan <laughs> Beach. <laughs> they mad about that. And and, and and none of that don't don't bother me. Yeah. And he can't control us, and that's his issue. And you know, people ask me, yo, you not worry about, you know, the union and no, I'm not. Because the union has fake, they, they control people who's not educated and who don't know mm. what's going on. And, and it, it mirrors what goes on in, in, in politics. In politics. politics oh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It, it mirrors oh, the yeah. same thing. And they can't, there's nothing they could do. A guy that was on my show last week, they bringing charges against him. Because mm. he was on your show. Yeah. He was, right. <laughs> this was a guy in our union back in the previous administration who was um, the right-hand person of Roger Toussaint. Uh, during that administration. So now these people want to bring up charges on them because they came on the show. And I, I couldn't believe it when I, when I was told that. I got four phone calls today. He got a good attorney? Oh, I'm I, sure he does. I, yeah, but I don't think that he would – Um, I don't think it's going to go far. But it shows you their mentality. Like they try to control anybody who's saying something against them. But me, like I said, I'm not in the – I'm not a union – elected union rep. I'm not trying to be released. Mm. I'm here for the people. Like I tell them, I never been in trouble before. I never got a Dan. I never got a write up. I never got any of that stuff. I'm fighting for y'all. Y'all, all y'all who call a girl called me today crying on the phone mm. because transit was abusing her about she needed doctor lines and you know she had she has real issues where you know she called me and I said look call a union rep, tell them I sent you. And, you know, they'll take care mm. of you because at the end of the day, when they see my name attached to it, they be like, this dude go go on a radio show. He go talk about us. A lot of people listening to the show. And and that's what you got to do. You got to put them on blast in order to in order to, to work. in order to get the spark behind them to work and do to do things for the members. Because it all that's, too well. Yeah, because, <laughs> because that's what this administration is. But this administration is a do nothing administration. That's why we're having a rally on November 10th. But it's a, but it's a, but it's a do nothing administration that basically all they're worried about is being elected. Mm. All they're worried about is intimidating the members. They, they intimidate them, try to intimidate the members harder than they try to intimidate the MTA. Mm. And meanwhile, we have a president who's basically kissing the governor's shoes all the time, all day, every day. Yeah, the problems with unions is that especially ours, they seem to have become an extension of management. 
Mm. And there's no, you know, that all that brother and sister talk to me and TWU is gone. Gotcha. It's gone. And, you know, we, we reach out to people as yourself to, to come out and support mm-hmm. us. And, you know, because right and right and wrong is wrong. And this is basically for our people. And the Caucasians on our job, what I try to explain to them is y'all collateral damage. Mm-hmm. I heard <laughs> you say that. <laughs> it's mostly us. Y'all collateral damage. Y'all, y'all is, are not going to be treated differently. Because the, the, the powers that be always focus on the majority. What the majority is is over there. Mm-hmm. You know, we ain't going to leave these people out over here. First of all, the way I see they look at it, y'all don't belong with them. So being the fact that y'all in the same boat as them, you go get the same thing that boat go get. Mm. And, you know. It's it, crazy. I mean, it's, it seemed like the same thing that's in, that's in politics. Now, you got something it's going on. Talk. It's real talk. You know, basically, our, you know, the... Um, the heyday of the union was during, sorry to say, it's the days of Mike Quill and, you know, 40 plus years ago mm. when the members actually stuck together and you know, flooded union meetings and flooded rallies and, you know, rallied hard behind the president when it came to contract time. And in other words, that was, you know, that was their real militancy, mm. you know, back then. And that, was, and, and that was the real brotherhood, you know, back wow. then during the, you know, because, I mean, like I said, Roger Toussaint brought back in in my opinion, during my time, you know, that, you know, that administration brought back the militancy to the union, the way we actually got respect. But, of course, we lost that, <laughs> basically. Now, you mentioned something about being claustrophobic and, you know, jail. How you feel about the situation on Rockers Island? Well, honestly, you know, I have a very close relationship with the uh, current COVID chair. I have one with the past COVID chair. And you said pass as far as Seabrook. Yeah, Seabrook. Okay. Seabrook you know, so, you know, I mean, their issues are similar. You know, they've got the same kind of circumstances, not getting the respect that's due them. And there's some serious safety issues on Rikers Island, uh, for the most part. If you looked at, you know, in the local, one of the papers, it was definitely some guy just went to jail for falsifying documentation or a lawsuit saying that he got assaulted and he was suing. And they come to find out that he provoked the situation, was overheard, saying he's going to provoke and whatnot. So it's traveling through, and I've heard it through some folks who, you know, who have actually coming out and saying, you know, this is what's happening, that at the end of the day, man, it's, it's a us against their mentality in there. And they recognize that the corrections officers' hands are tied because they can't interact with any anybody. If they go to defend themselves and it gives the impression that they hit somebody, they're gonna be, they feel they're going to get a lawsuit or they're going to lose their pension. So, and it's, it's almost the same thing with the police on the street. Nobody wants to put themselves in a position to lose their pension right now. Yeah, but it seems like a correction officer is easier to lose his pension before a police officer. Yep, that's unfortunate. And, and you know, correction officers, uh, you know, I checked the stats, they 80%. Um, Minority. Yeah. Yeah, mostly and, women. Really? Yeah, yeah mostly women. A lot women. of women. And you, want, and you want to know why? Why? Part, well, I think mostly because... Back in the days, if you were a school safety agent, you were able to switch over to NYPD with no problem. Or corrections. Or corrections, mm-hmm. right. And and school safety agents, is, is, that's heavily women, dominated mm-hmm. by women. Yeah. So now, they're able to get into the corrections department and not NYPD. That was mm-hmm. changed around. Probably like five years ago, I think. Something like that, yeah. yeah or maybe Six 10 years. years ago, something like that. Yeah. No, no, not 10 years ago. Just not recent, years, yeah. Just recent, okay. Yeah. So that's why you see a lot of women in corrections now. Hmm. See, and, and that'll be my argument. Like, you know, us is like me, I had one a, a, a stop and frisk case from, from the police. Stop and frisk me, I felt that it was illegal, and I didn't, and I won. City hmm. paid me in, in, in eight months and because I found a, a loophole in it. 
And, you know, I guess they wanted to keep me quiet. And I was trying to work with a lawyer to, to get other cases, but it never it never formed. But I found out a way how to win. Mm. And, um, you know, we get we get antagonized by NYPD and it seems like nothing happens to them. And by the time they get into jail, you know, the inmates, they be frustrated mm-hmm. a lot of the time. And, you know, they take off their frustration out on the correction officers. And how you not allowed to defend yourself? You got correction officers getting cut, assaulted every day. Deep cut. Uh, deep cut. You know, and, and, I, and I was just with Elias. Matter of fact, they're doing the same thing. They recognize they've got to take to the airwaves, but they got to control their airwaves. You know, one minute or three minutes on New York One ain't going to help them to get out everything they want to get out. So they started Cobra TV and whatnot. And, and prior to that, they had Cobra Radio on, on WBLS. That's right. And, and then they, and then Seabrook had a show on WWRL on Friday mornings. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So they're taking, and now this social media thing is what's helping to get, get, you know, get the message out. And social media has changed the dynamics of communicating across the board. So now folks are getting information in real time, real talk. That's, and that's what they use. That's their concept. Mm-hmm. So, you know, to, you know, to go back to your question, I, I feel bad for the correction officers, you know, for the most part. I got a lot of friends there. And, you know, I pray for them. I mean, you know, who's to say you're going to go to work and not, not wind up getting jumped, you know, by individuals and what have you that know they can get a paycheck off of you. Exactly. And that's what happened because, you know, I speak to a lot of correction officers and they kill me with this. Oh, yeah, I got two lawsuits. What you mean you got two lawsuits? Inmates suing me mm-hmm. for excessive force or whatever they say. And inmates aren't stupid. And you They're be- some of the smartest out there. And they know how to get money. And they being sued. And these officers are being sued personally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they get sued personally. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, sue the city and sue them personally. Oh, they have to find a way to get paid. Yeah, and they, and they always do. Who 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 out of, who's your favorite out of I'm interested to know this. <laughs> Malcolm X, Martin Luther King. Martin Luther King. Why? Cuz I'm 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 about the non-violence approach. You know, I'm you know, I'm more so under the understanding would have you that violence begets violence. And I understand what Malcolm stood for. But when it's all said and done, you know, for the most part, who wins if somebody winds up getting killed? Yeah. At, at what point do you do we decide to fight back, though? Uh, when your back's up against the wall, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you you know, you can't. You you got to fight off. There's nowhere else to go. And I recognize that. You know, that whole concept of by any means necessary. I mean, I think it was taken out of context uh, for the most part. Um, and, and understanding Malcolm's teachings and, and and how he, you know, transformed himself from the militant to more of an activist. And whatnot, I saw you know I saw him humble himself with regards to being you know able to adapt to other people of other other you know uh, you know what do you call that hues, um, complexion, and whatnot, and, and understanding that you know what I don't have to hate my brother. So he took a whole different tone. But unfortunately, before he got an opportunity to enact all that, his life was taken because they saw he was transitioning away from that whole fight the power to becoming you know more like a Martin Luther King. Yeah, because you know I think they. They uh, went from poses to and nooses to just getting into uniforms and, and executing mm-hmm. us. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I personally mm-hmm. think my opinion is that we have to fight back. I'm not saying violence on police officers because that's not the answer. But we have to find other ways to fight back because they put in policies in place to keep us and, and hold us down. And all these devices, you got social engineering. You have economic mm-hmm. slavery. Right. You know, you have institutionalized racism, uh, racism and, yep. and, and all this other stuff. All that exists, man. It of exists. Course. And, and our people are so blind to it. Bl- right. We're blind to it. But, but see, the problem is 
you have to have people that have, that have to teach them. Mm-hmm. You have to have people that are there, meaning elders, that are there to teach these, teach these kids, listen, don't tear up your own neighborhoods. When something goes down, because exactly. you gotta, because you gotta shop. You, no matter what, you gotta shop here. That's you right. gotta, you, you gotta tell these kids. Listen, pull your pants up, okay? <laughs> you gotta tell these kids. I mean, I mean, there's nothing wrong with wearing a hoodie, but you gotta. Basically, they have to be educated to this. What's how this country is, and how you need to walk and you sure. need to act in this. Because it's sad to say, you can't ride around with deep, dark, tinted windows. Mm-hmm. You can't walk around here with a hoodie and your pants hanging off your behind. Oh, and, and an Arizona iced tea. And an Arizona iced tea, exactly. <laughs> you can't, you know, because these That things, wasn't a cop that did that, though. I know, that wasn't a cop. <laughs> it, was it was a fake a, cop. It was a fake wannabe yeah. cop. <laughs> but you want to know what? He got the same treatment that a, a cop, mm. many That's, cops have done. Exactly, mm. yeah. Uh, you know, there's definitely racism around the country, man. But, you know, here's the and, and I was just having this conversation on Lisa Evers show. And, you know, I'm, I'm from this mindset. You know, and some people say, oh, he's Uncle Tom. He's a sellout or whatever. Well, the case you? Be. Yeah. <laughs> I, I got all of that. You know, you, you can't have a rational mind. And, and not be called a name, you know, for the most part, because some, there's always somebody that wants to be smarter than you. And, and I don't claim to know everything. But what I do know is violence begets violence. If, in fact, that you, you, you introduce violence, you're going to get it and what have you, i.e. with a police officer that goes out there with an attitude and is disrespectful, you're going to, open, you're going to get the hairs on a person's neck raised up and you're going to get what you're given. And that's the unfortunate part about it. However, if you exercise that which you're supposed to be trained to do, which is courtesy, professionalism, and respect, and what have you, guess what you get in return? But it has to be mutual because we're not short of not getting any blame for, you know, why are you stopping me? You know, you know, you know, you know why, why are you wasting my time? I'm getting disrespectful. That, you know, again, what you tend to forget, irrespective of the training with that individual had in that uniform, still a human being. And he's still going to have the same issues and, 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 and might be pissed off because he ain't getting on the night before he got to the job or, or, or the bills are sitting him over the head. So he's going to have some frustrations and what have you. He's going to act like a human being. And when I, so the training goes out the window. Now he's got his chest poked out like, yeah, all right, let me see how I'm going to hook you up right now. Or better yet, how I'm going to make you feel the pain that you're trying to create for me. Mm. So it's, it's a human reaction to deal with the kind of stupidity. Unfortunately, some people wear the uniform and take advantage of the power that they have. And, and, and those are the people we got to get out of office. And I, I, I say office. Oh, yeah. Those are the people we got to get off the job and whatnot. Um, it's unfortunate. And it's, I don't know, man. You know, it's this, we've been talking about this stuff for almost 50 years. And nothing has changed. Well, you know, I, I, I'm, right now I'm putting together a program called um, Shell Yourself where mm. um, I believe I'm heavily – I heavily believe in transparency right. and I think that it should be involved in the police department too. The same way how you got registered <laughs> sex offenders, you could, you know, find people in the neighborhood who's registered sex offenders. I believe that, you know, regarding my incident with the NYPD, that there need to be a program in place where residents could go on the internet and see the bad cops mm. who have um, CCRB cases against them and mm. things that have been substantiated so we can see who these bad cops are and get them out of our communities and put them in communities probably where they where you know instead of them being in Brownsville, Bed-Stuy, mm-hmm. you know Crown Heights, you know send them to Bay Ridge cuz all the good is we have no way to tell where's the good cops and where's the bad cops. And they ain't always white neither. No, they not <laughs> cuz you got you got the black cops who to me they want to show that I'm one of y'all. Mm. I'm just like y'all. 
So mm-hmm. I'm gonna just show I'm gonna violate this black man because I'm just like y'all. You know what I'm saying? And, and and it's all the psychology of making a slave. You know, there there are there are very good cops, just like there are very good transit workers, very good teachers. But then there's a the flip side to that. There are bad cops, bad teachers, bad preachers. And when I, so when it's all said and done, it's it's a human factor. And unfortunately, you know, it's something we have to deal with. And if you don't take a particular position, certain people tend to want to come at you. And I'm not never going to put myself in a position unless I have all the information and what have you on what's going on before I make a decision on where I'm going to go with my decision. And I'm not going to sit there and immediately jump out and say, oh, I'll give you an example. You know, and it's just as my position. What took place in Harlem should have should not have taken place. Which, in one uh, in the Bronx, I mean, where the young, where the the sixty six year old woman was shot by that sergeant. Oh, with the back. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. But again, you have to. There's a. I got to play the devil's advocate and whatnot. What what set of sort of circumstances made him feel that he needed to do that after he had just disarmed her from having a pair of scissors? Was it in close proximity? Did she get to that bat fast enough or what have you? Where he thought that his life was in danger? There's a lot of variables come into place, but. The question of the matter is, could he have used a taser? Could he have gotten to that faster? So there's a lot of things that needs to be put in play. But at the end of the day, it still stands that that woman should have never died. Yeah, correct. I mean, uh, we could play devil's advocate with that. But I feel with some of these people that, you know, privilege. Trigger happy. Yeah, white. I I think even before that, white privilege kicks in Mm. before anything because there's no consequence. You look at the Asian cop with a car girly. Yeah. We got a we got a conviction and and a killing. A minor conviction. Was it because he was Asian? Who knows? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Well, keep in mind he was judged was was that wasn't a, a judge jury, was it? I mean, a judge a bench trial. A bench trial. Was it a bench trial? I wasn't familiar the, with Yeah, the judge the, was, the judge was Asian. He mm-hmm. was an Asian judge Chun. <laughs> It was the judge son. But I but I believe originally it wasn't an Asian judge. Originally it was a black judge, I think, or, or, or I believe it was a black or white judge. Yeah, but but being, let's keep in mind, it was Ken Thompson that, that tried that case. Basically. Yeah. Why not? So, How do you felt about that? Did, about you, did you think he really tried the case like he... No, I think he did what he had to do, but I think there was a lot of pressure there. And what have you? There was some pressure coming down because the Chinese community was rallying up some dollars. That's right. That's yeah. That's <laughs> what I was telling people. Yeah, <laughs> that the Asian community because you know they felt that yo they were mess. You know they were they were going to make an example yeah. out of him. He felt that and he was he, because he was Asian. They felt that because they feel they minorities also. Exactly. Well, you know what? I th- a lot of people were saying that they were particularly trying to make him a scapegoat and what have you. Now, had he been a white cop, white cop, that might not have been the case. You know, there's a lot of speculation on a lot of different things, but. Yeah, I'm of the mindset and what have you. Justice is going to be justice. And at the end of the day, there's always somebody that you got to answer to. And there's only one person what have you that has all the answers. Well, I tell you what. Let me tell you what I think about justice. <laughs> justice is not blind. Mm. Justice has 20-20 vision. Mm. Because justice sees exactly who it is that walks in that courtroom. Because justice sees, okay, Tramel Thompson or Jamel Wilson. Yeah, these some niggas. Mm. So we know they did it. Mm. So we gonna try to get them the best way we can, but let's say, um, <clears throat> um, you know, Matthew. Oh no, he couldn't have did it, you know. <laughs> but basically, if justice is gonna be blind, the bottom line is okay. A trial should be, and, and this was a discussion that a couple of coworkers we had years ago when all this stuff was going on. Sean Bell, you, you know, you name it. That <clears throat> the plaintiff uh, should be, let's say. If it's a cop 
cop number one, mm-hmm. cop number two, mm-hmm. and then you get, and then well, you know, the defendant should be cop number one, cop number two, or however many it is, and then let's say the 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 plaintiff, you have, um, you know, you know, you make up a fictitious name, mm. and then you and 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 then you have, and basically all you have is names, you don't have faces to go with it. I mean, only thing that is is like some placebo, and you know. It, it, it's, it's all psychology. That's all that it's, is. But, well, it's all psychology. But if you don't, if you don't have faces to go with these names, and you make up fictitious names, you say assailant one, assailant two. Yeah, I mean, so, uh, you, so it won't be uh, no prejudice. Number, so there won't be no prejudice behind it. So it's like, okay, you're gonna judge this case. You know, the jury is gonna decide the verdict based on pure facts and not seeing the person sitting there. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? Well, the problem with that is the jury itself, you judge by your peers. A lot of them don't be our peers. I believe that if I commit a crime in Bed-Stuy, my peers should come from Bed-Stuy mm-hmm. or a neighborhood mirroring that. I don't, my peers isn't in Bay Ridge. Right. My peers isn't in, in, yeah, in, in Bensonhurst. Right. Those not my peers. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, but um, we know Mr. Herbert. He he's a busy man. He gotta get up early. We kept him here. No, I'm sleeping late tomorrow. Are you sleeping late tomorrow? <laughs> I'm sleeping late. Oh, okay. I'm sleeping late. Um, so no, November November fifth. Oh, November fifth. I'm having the official opening to my campaign office. I'm over in um, what do you call it? Uh, I opened up in Flappers Junction. I wanted to be close to home, <laughs> <laughs> so I could get to the office with no hesitation. But yeah, so I extend the invitation to you and and, and the progressive crew. Come on through. Uh, and let's let, I'm telling my crew now, do not come without a donation. He well, said I appreciate they, that. He said they matching the donations. Six to one, man. Six, Six to, to one? one. Oh, really? Six to one, up to $175. Oh, okay. Listen, yeah. y'all can't come with me and Jamel and say that y'all under our donation. No, y'all got to come with your own donation. Or maybe, you know, we'll start a GoFundMe or something. Yeah, but, go- y'all, but y'all got to come <laughs> with your own donation. <laughs> well, un- unfortunately, you can't do a GoFundMe, but... You know, I'm just, you know, just to put it out there, I'm going to have some mac and cheese, some pollo. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You say that, so, you know. It's, I will have some good food up in there, so just come break some bread, you know. And, and, and like I said, you know, it's basically to help kick things off, man. I got a good friend of mine. That's his office. He's allowing me to rent three of the, the, the different spaces in there. And um, I'm just going to build this, this, this team, you know. I don't want to say a machine. I'm going to build a team, and I'm going to make that team work. And somebody made a comment, too, which was quite interesting. It said, so, you know, we see that you, you, know, you do all this for your community and all that other stuff, but are you going to go over to the Asian community or the white community? And I said, let me explain something. Campaign just started. <laughs> I want to strengthen my base first and what have you. I'm good in Brooklyn. I need to expand into the Bronx and Queens and straighten that out. I was already informed I got Staten Island. I'm good. In one night. You got Staten Island? I got Staten Island. That's a cons- conservative-ass borough. Yeah, <laughs> tell me about it. Tomorrow. That was the purpose of getting the endorsement of the SBA. I'm not stupid. And one night. Get those votes. You lock those in. And you're talking about the probability of getting upwards of over 35,000 New York City police officers voting for you who have family members that they can get the vote to. So if they go out and get 10 people to vote, I start out with 350,000 votes in this election already. Wow. So I'm not stupid. <laughs> and whatever. That's why I say I'm not running from the police. I'm running with them and what have you so I can change the mindset from within because I can get to the table. Everybody can't get to the table because they're too busy on the outside fighting them. Correct. And whatnot. We can't change anything that way. We got to get in. Just like, um, what's his name? Assemblyman Mosley. He made the comment one day. He said, um, well, in order to stop the guns from coming in, we got to join the NRA. And he joined the NRA. Now, dude. If you don't have a multitude of folks that's going to go with you to sit down and do that, 
how are you going to change a international organization? I'm saying international. You know, but locally, you could affect that because all they wanted to do was just have somebody who could sit down and hear what they got to say. That's crazy, but that don't make no sense. Like to go to the NR. I, I mean, I mean, you join the NR. Okay, you join. Basically, you're a member, like you're in a club. You know what I'm saying? You ain't you ain't call those shots the way you you know stopping guns from coming in but, or whatever. But just the other day, I read that the NYPD took what three thousand guns and to go get melted down. Right. Like, yeah, they're getting the guns though. I mean, but they're not getting them in the numbers they used to get them in unfortunately, and whatnot. And that's because of stop and frisk. And I want to be very clear. Stop and frisk never stopped. They just stopped abusing it. It's exactly, still a tool exactly, they use. Exactly. exactly, yeah, exactly. That, and that's what the mayor did. He just put the pressure on to stop abusing it. He didn't stop it. You know, and trying to give everybody the impression that, oh, he stopped stop and frisk. No. Trust me, it's still, still happening. Yeah, it's still happening. It's still happening. And right. they coming out with technology where they, ain't, they don't even have to they touch have to you. Touch you. <laughs> they just ride past you and it. It's, it examines your whole body. And they also created technology and what have you, that shot spotter. So as soon oh, yeah. as the gun go off, they get a they, they get the you know the idea on what where that shot came from right then and there. So they're on it real yeah. quick. Oh really? Yeah. Oh yeah. And, they're and on it, man. What, what criminals don't understand is too, they understand this fake um don't snitch, this whole yeah, don't bogus. snitch policy. It's cameras everywhere now. You right. ain't got a snitch. Yeah. <laughs> you got hey. shot spotter with cameras attached. You commit the crime. Which direction did he go in? Oh, okay, we got cameras down that block too because now everybody got cameras outside their home. Right. Exactly. And, 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 and I just be wondering when I look at the news every night at 11 o'clock, like what do these people be thinking about <laughs> when you see them talking about still robbing liquor stores? They're still holding people up. They're still Grocery raping, stores and bodegas. Grocery stores and bodegas. They're still... Let's go to the videotape. Right. That's all they do. Let's but go here's, to the videotape. This is, this is quite interesting and I, and I think folks don't get it. You know what have you. Folks are snitching. Because people are tired. And when you got to slap them once to talk and twice to shut up. That's what's going down right now. They're talking and what have you. So you think you're going out there committing a crime and you're you going to hold it down for your homie because you don't want to be a snitch. When they hit you with those numbers, you start having a conversation real quick. Yeah, you're right. You're right. And, How do you and, think folks are getting caught so quickly? Yeah, pe yeah, people are telling. But, you know, them cameras is... Just tell them more. We ain't got, yeah, <laughs> we, we don't have to cut a deal now. Exactly, because look... You look at Lord Order SUV, and mm -hmm. you look at the, you know, my particular favorite is Blue Bloods. On Blue, front. That's my Blue, show. That's, that's my, my show. show. Yeah, <laughs> Blue Bloods. So basically, I just be looking like, well, damn, but these people is not like the old school where detectives where they be they got to scratch their head figuring out cases. Nah. These people, yeah, they they make sick detective first graders six figures base. So basically, it's like, yo. They just look at they just look at the cameras and all that and that's it. But if he was a, a smart, if he was a smart thug or criminal, <laughs> in the mic, if he was a smart thug or criminal, you would watch these shows because they they actually show you what they got access to. Nobody can imagine the amount of resources the NYPD has at yeah. their hands. Yeah, and when that's a paramilitary organization, they got technology we don't even know about. Uh huh. And, and I mean, I look at that as you know, we got a tenth. They put the little bit of information. Like I could find out. Do a search on people. I search people all the time and find out information. I'm the king. He's the king of research. I'm the now. king of research. If I want to find something about you, I'm going to find out where your mama live, everything. Mm. Now, imagine what they got. Imagine what imagine NYPD what got. NYPD they, got yeah. they got a whole computer squad and social media squad. So how do you think they busting these gangbangers and bringing them down in large numbers? Because they're up there talking about it, putting it on Facebook and doing the rah-rah with the rap songs, and they're interpreting these songs. <laughs> exactly. And see, that's how stupid a lot of people are because they think that, um, and a lot of girls too, because they think that you know they have these, you know, they text messages back and forth, and they 
put things on Facebook. Listen, all of that stuff could be subpoenaed when it comes down to it. There's no such thing as erasing it once yeah. it's in cyberspace. But, but but even what you mentioned earlier about the crabs in the barrel. Mm-hmm. Yo, I seen a I seen an advertisement. This bugged me out. A police department in another state asked told other drug dealers, "Are you mad that these drug dealers is getting more money than you and and this and and and, and they shining more than you? Feel free to call and rat them out." <laughs> really? Wow. But it's the, the crabs in the barrel mentality extends to crime. Yeah. People are mad. Yo, he's getting money over there. We're we send a a, a a tip to the police department. Next thing you know, they house getting busted and ran in mm. and, and, and all this other stuff. But November 5th is your... Um, Yes, my my office office my campaign office, office warming. warming. Yes, office warming so macaroni be, and cheese. Yeah, yeah, man. I just I just picked up personally. I bought it. I bought a sound system. I don't need a DJ. Tony Tunes. Just plug. Oh, so you know that too. <laughs> Tony no, what I told what I told you. I did my research. <laughs> no, actually, I had the probably one of the top video magazine programs in the city of New York. Oh yeah. And when that Ralph was my and I just left Ralph. We were just over at um um McDaniel's output, yeah. Oh get out of here. Just okay. left. He was on um, my executive control. And I produced a show called Dance Tracks USA. And Dance Tracks was a video magazine program that actually was the older version of Video Music Box. And we went into all the parties, we covered all the major events, we showed videos. I mean I was backstage, you know, at concerts I, was, I rode with the Black Cowboys, you know, and shot a video with them. <laughs> so, you know, we did all of that stuff. And I ran that show from 92 to 96. Mm. And everybody knew me as Tony Toon. And, you know, I'm a hype master, MC. I, you know, I did a lot of parties, um, a lot of the civil service parties, which I got one coming up. You guys are going to be honored at. Thank you. Uh, it's called the Citywide um, Civil Service Super Jam at a Resorts Casino, April 15th. Oh, okay. And whatnot. April 15th and April 2017. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, All right. It's going to be off the chain. So, yeah. You know, we're recognizing civil service workers, you know, for the work that they do, the advocacy work. I'm identifying people like that. And um, I have 10 honorees right now, and Progressive is one of them, which, which I'm out. Thank you. And whatnot. Yeah. So, you know, and, and I'm, I, I don't know if you guys, you, I'm probably older than all y'all put together. But, uh, <laughs> well, put together. No, 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 Slow down now. <laughs> you and Jamel could be brothers. Uh, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, with that being said, you remember Bam Bam Productions? Yeah. They used to be the big corrections promoters and whatnot. They had 3,000, 4,000 people. The Vista, the Roosevelt Hotel, any party they did mm-hmm. was packed out with civil service workers. I heard of them, yeah. I'm recognizing them. I'm actually bringing them, you know, come, some of them are retired down in North Carolina. Okay. I got them coming up. We're presenting them with a special award, an appreciation award. And um, I'm recognizing some other folks from different agencies, and, and it's going to be off the chain. It's going to be crazy. Oh, okay. It's going to be crazy. That sounds good. That sounds real good. Civil yeah. service party, man. It's and, you know, and I'm going to probably do it annually, and hope that it grows. But I know for a fact that we're probably going to have about three thousand people at this event. Wow, Ooh. wow. Tony Tunes is in the oh, yeah. and we got <laughs> DJ Lance. We got oh, uh, Lance, Lance is my boy. Lance is playing. We got um, DJ Tall Guy, who's actually with TEA. And then we got another brother by the name of Doug Brown who's opening up. He's actually with Sanitation. Okay. And, right. whatnot. and I might even slip in, you know, my man from Corrections real quick. Um, what's his name? Oh, God. It's gonna, he's going to kill me. <laughs> but he plays all the correction parties right now. Now, so. I heard of DJ Tall Guy. Yeah, yeah. Where is he from? Who, who, he's a transit worker, right? No, he's traffic enforcement. Traffic, okay. Yeah, you know, TA needs some love too. You know, <laughs> all they the third hated, you know, the third hated agency in the city of New York. TA, yeah, it's it's NYPD, ACS, and TA. TA. Wow, that's very that's interesting. ACS. ACS is the second hated. Why? Why they hate us? Not transit. 
It's not transit. Tra- traffic enforcement. Oh, oh, oh. Traffic enforcement. Oh, oh, no, no. Nobody got a problem with traffic. Unless a train stop in the middle of somewhere and you can't get your work. You know? <laughs> no, that, that happens every day. Oh, yeah, but that, that's good. Lance Lance is a... Um, I'd say, Lance, you you a legend, man. Yeah, that's my brother right there, man. That's my that's my fraternity brother. At that. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Lance, Lance. It'd be like, yo, let me get some, let me get some clothes. Let me get some. I need to get a hat from you. Okay. I, I run into him at ninety five South. He still DJ there. Wednesday nights. <laughs> Wednesday nights, man. Yeah, oh, okay. Lance is a legend. Well, would you like to lead the people with um, you know, a final word? You know, you, you talked about some important stuff, especially about your your campaign mm-hmm. that you're about to put together. Well, yeah. I mean, the only thing I would I would do is just. You know, just applaud, applaud the work that you guys are doing first and foremost. You, you know, you know, it takes a lot to stand up against against the grain, and it ain't an easy task. You know, no, it's and, not. You know, I, I recognize that. So I, you know, I know exactly what you're trying to do, and what, not what you're trying to do, what you're doing. And people need to understand they got to be they got to open up their minds and they got to be very cognizant of what's going on around them and what have you. Don't let the and I use this terminology. Don't let the train pull away from the track and what have you, you ain't on board trying to get to what's what's better for you. If you sit there and let that door close, opportunity is going to miss you by. And that's Correct. just what it is. But I say this as one who's running for office and what have you. Don't be closed mind to everybody. Don't go based on what somebody else says. Go based on what you do. I mean, your research that you do. Recognizing what have you that you have to do the follow-up on those that are soliciting you for your vote and, and, and determine who can work for you. Um, you know, I don't, I don't pro- proclaim to be perfect and what have you. You know, my heyday, I'm, I was a knucklehead, you know, 18, 19 years old, dating a whole lot of women or whatever the case may be, and probably broke some hearts. And what have you. But when you get in the public eye like this, it all comes back. Exactly. And then folks, you know, just don't know how to close certain doors. So, you know, I'm, I'm ready for that kind of stupidity to come down. I mean, there's nothing they can say to me that I did. You know, I ain't got no baby mama drama. I ain't got no child support issues. You know, at the end of the day, I'm just a regular Joe Blow out here trying to do what I got to do. And I've made some mistakes along the way and what have you. And I own them. But that doesn't hinder me from doing a job to help other people get where they need to go. And that should be confused. It should not be confused with that because that's what the devil's going to try to utilize when anybody that runs. They're going to do it to me. They're going to do it to Tish. They're going to do it to de Blasio. Well, he's getting it done by himself. And why not? <laughs> <laughs> but I'll say this. I'm not mad at your union president for going after him, to be honest with you and whatnot, because anything the bangers do to get him out of office, I'm with. <laughs> but I thank you guys for this opportunity. And, you know, I'll stand in the trenches. I don't have a problem with it. You know, as long as it's with the people, that's why I'm standing with. I don't care about the structure on the outside. Yeah, so November tenth. That's where you guys are gonna be. I'm, I'm there. All right, so you're there. All right, yeah. you, everybody, you heard that, right? Yeah. November. I'm even gonna bring my chair. <laughs> uh oh, uh oh, I hear that. But I mean, they ain't gonna support me anyway. So what? I ain't got nothing to lose. You know, I'm standing with the people, man. And you right. know what? The people, the people are awakening, and they, they, they coming. They, they getting their senses together. They getting their senses together. So we'll see. You know how that turned out. What you got to say, Cuz? Uh. I don't have anything much to say tonight. You know, basically, you know, we got, uh, you know, we got everything off that we needed to say, and I'm good for tonight. You yeah. know, how about you? Well, I would like to thank Mr. Herbert, you know, for taking the opportunity thank because you, he came down. You know, I met him at the rally with October 23rd. We had it. But when you October say that, can 13th. I just have, well, before you go into it, can I just? I got to say thank you to Ben Welcome and what have you. Ben and I go way back to you know in the days or whatever. And he was a promoter. Okay. And when it's all said and done, you know, he made this introduction possible. And I want to thank him for that and what have you, because I think it's a great opportunity, not only for me, but for the people that you guys represent. No doubt. Oh, yeah, thank definitely. You. Yeah. You know, I, I want to thank you, too, for coming through to that rally personally. Oh, you know? I had to be yeah. here. I had to yeah, be here. definitely. You know, and I want to thank you for coming through here tonight, mm-hmm. because uh, this is, you know, even though you and Tramel were communicating, 
But um, basically, this is something that, uh, you know, progressive action is near and dear to me also. Okay. In my, you know, for my own reasons. Yes, yeah, it's, it's basically, you know, both of us. Both of us. So, for, but, so a marketing strategy can help me here because I thought this is what your marketing strategy was. You got a lot of people that work this shift. So I'm assuming that they're tuning in and listening while they're doing their job. Oh, of course. Well, it, well the thing is <laughs> yeah, a smart move. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, really, the information is there. What we, what we suggested to the union to do, mm-hmm. and they shot down, we doing. Okay. And they seeing that it's working. Mm-hmm. That rally that you came to, the union didn't fully support it. They wanted to see what we did. So now they see what we did, and they did they slick stuff after that. We decided to do the November 10th, and they, you know, they call in saying, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. Why y'all worrying about us? Y'all didn't believe in us, but you know they did. But like I said, you know you came down to a rally where you didn't know us. We established a relationship. Well, I know the I know the, I know the workers. You know I know what you do. Yeah. So I I came to support that. You know, and, and and we didn't even touch on it, but that racial discrimination stuff and what have you, and and pitting workers against each other. That that's never a benefit to anybody. Everybody loses in one night. So you have to speak out on that kind of stupidity. Yeah. And whatever you have going on in the future, I have communicated this to you. I'm gonna say it on air. Whatever you need us to do on for to help you, we here. So if you need us to come support an event, you need us to bring people by, and you know we available. I appreciate you know we do. I'm I'm a, basically any, anything outside of you know school and, and work. Right, right, right. You know I'm I'm available. And, and, and was it Jaden? Jaden, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's my son. Yeah, you know, and um anything you know outside of that. You got my full support. Appreciate you need it, me to make phone calls. Like I said, send people send people your way. I don't know how big your office is, but we go try to bring some. Uh, I got a couple other office spaces in there I can manipulate. Uh, okay. <laughs> and then I I basically devote my time to my family because I got a three year old and a one year old. So oh, y'all got babies. Man. Exactly. Yeah. So that's what I mean by saying. Y'all got babies, man. Exactly. But I get home tonight. I'm only gonna get two hours sleep. Yeah, I'm, that's about right. I got exactly. a 27, 23, 21. And I got a, a well, my goddaughters. Well, they're two year olds, so oh. <laughs> I, I embrace them heart, heart, wholeheartedly. I might as well, you know, I'm going to start writing them off on my taxes. <laughs> Trump, okay. the Trump style? Uh, no, nah, not Trump. <laughs> no, not Trump style, yeah. I, got, I, I will, got, I will be filing taxes. Oh, exactly. <laughs> Shoot, man! Oh my goodness. Yeah, but like I said, whatever you need support with, we are here. Um, you know, um, but we, we have to, we have to do this. We have to stick together. We have yes. to, you know become one with with the uh, leaders that's in the forefront mm. and you know we there's gonna be a lot of work between progressive action and tony herbert in, in the future well count me in man you know i'm i'm all for the people man you know, no and, people and, getting and, what they deserve and we all for the people who's leading the way and and, and champion this mm-hmm. this this struggle that we trying to overcome and you're one of the people like i saw seeing you on tv and you know you always there when nobody else, it seems like they're not. You're there. They come after. Yeah, basically. <laughs> you know, and, and it was crazy because my boy from um, Brooklyn News 12. Okay. You know, cause, like you said, the, the news stories is funny. They uh, they decide what they go cover and what they not go cover. So he was like, yo, why you ain't tell me Tony go be there? They oh, love, wow. they, they, you call him TH. They love TH. Oh, wow. <laughs> said, oh, really? Okay. I said, how the hell am I supposed I'm, to I'm know I'm going to give me some stock in, in, in Cablevision. Yeah, you know, <laughs> okay, so. yeah. You know, you have a lot of support out there. And like I said, progressive action is, is now your family. I appreciate that, man. Because, you know, again, like I said, you know, I know we got to go. I, I stood out there with Cablevision when they were having their issues, like freezing in some, some leather shoes out in front of Madison Square Garden. <laughs> uh-huh. And didn't get their support. C, that's CWA or CSA. CSA. 
CWA, communication workers. And then turn around, I stood out with 1199. I walked across the bridge, you know, when they were talking about closing Interfaith and losing all those jobs. And mm. I stood down in front with Brookdale, you know, when the nurses were getting, you know, getting ready to lose their jobs, walked across the bridge and got arrested and couldn't get their support. So my whole belief in the whole union system with regards to politics, I don't have any faith in that. Mm. But I'm still going to advocate for the people. Okay. So how, how, before we leave, this is very important. How can the people reach you? Um, real simple, man. I'm on Facebook. Um, you can hit me on Facebook. You can call me direct. You know, I have, uh, my office number is 917-499-5300. That goes directly into a cell that I actually manage myself okay. and my assistant, um, who's my, my chief of staff. And she feels all my calls. If I'm not there, she'll get them and make sure I get them and whatnot. And, or you can just email me, therbert7 at gmail.com. All right, that's good. And I'm on Twitter, T- Tony Herbert. Tony Herbert, that's how I got to follow you on Twitter. Yes. Well, y'all know how to follow us. Um, progressive Action, what is it? Instagram, Progressive Action. Twitter, mm-hmm. Progressive Act. You can email us, Progressive Action 100. Facebook group, Progressive Action. Mm-hmm. The website, progressiveaction.info. We are here. SoundCloud, Progressive Action. Thanks for all our live listeners. We're also on iTunes iTunes yeah. and, uh, and Google Play. Wow, you all over the place. <laughs> yeah, you got to be, like you said. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> you got to know how to manipulate this this media. Yeah, I got a nice social media team getting ready to kick in. Yeah, there. and if you need help with that, I, you know, oh, definitely, definitely we're we, we, we brainstorming on that. I say no to nothing. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, thanks, Except drugs. Except drugs, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. You know, thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Thanks, for, um, Tony Herbert, for coming through. Thank you, guys. We wish you, well, we don't wish you, you're going to do it. Because you got the power of the people behind you, and we're going to make sure that. Right. Thanks for coming out. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in, people. That's the show for today. Peace. Have a good night, everybody. Good night.